What's up, everybody? Just wanted to let you know that this is part two, where we're recapping all the crazy games that happened around the Big 12 on Saturday from Texas, Bama, Houston, Texas Tech, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, as well as Baylor, BYU, and that Big 12 After Dark game that we will be expecting in the future. So if you want to check out part one, where we give our thoughts on the K-State Missouri game, make sure to check that out. Make sure you're following us on Twitter as well at ShakenBlake785. We're going to go on live on Wildcat 919 this Friday to preview the two-lane game. And I uh, hope you enjoy part two. And we're back, John. Here to unravel this whatever this crazy day of college football was. We last week had some crazy stuff, John. But I mean, 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. Like I said before, had just madness. From I was just switching between games. You know, I went from Houston, Texas Tech to Kansas, West Virginia, into BYU, Baylor, and just I mean, all three of those games went to overtime, and all of them were just absolutely crazy. But let's go back. Let's go back in time. 11 a.m. Same time as the K-State Missouri game. Alabama, Texas. We mentioned how we thought Alabama was just going to mollywop Texas, you know, wipe the floor with them, get out of there and put Texas in their place. But John, Alabama, I mean, did not look very good. Bryce Young was under pressure a lot. Wide receivers were dropping throws, you know, and Alabama defense was giving up the deep ball, you know, and Texas had their backup quarterback in who was hurt during that time. And, you know, he still let him down the field to you know uh take the lead and it took some absolute madness and some mistakes on texas's part as well but just just a crazy game alabama's definitely getting a wake-up call there i mean the ap poll that just came out today i mean that that should already get Bama a rude <laughs> awakening no no i mean even nick saban himself like like when 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 it's a close game alabama's just gonna respond the next weekend and just obliterate someone either like a small school or someone in the SEC. But I think you did mention a lot of problems with Alabama. Bryce Young, uh, of course, he, he was under a lot of pressure, couldn't get his receivers going at all. I mean, you also, I, mean um, I think Will Anderson as well for Alabama, one of the Heisman front runners. He, uh, he went offsides, I believe, twice in the game, um, which did not help out for Alabama's defense as well. And- he also had a late hit on a Texas running back, I believe, on third down, which uh, gave Texas a free first down as well during a big now, drive. That, 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 would, that would sum up kind of a big drive for Texas, um, for sure. But I, 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 think, I think Quinn Ewers, I think his injury didn't damper Texas as much as it did, with, especially when Hudson Card took over. Uh, I think perhaps the most impressive thing was the defense for Texas. They let Alabama score at the end, but overall, they, they look 10 times better than they did at any point last season. I mean, you look back at, at some of the results, you give up 50, 57 points to Kansas. The next thing you know, you're only giving up 20 to Alabama. I would say, well, one thing Texas got really screwed up was not only their special teams, but the officiating at times really screwed them up. I would say between the, the flags, no calls and confusion, I'm not sure if I would want uh, want that crew to officiate another Big 12 game. It's just it was just ultimately a mess, and I think Texas for the for the um, for the majority of that got screwed. Yeah, it was the jacked ref too. He totally totally screwed Texas over. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, well, you, oh, let's cover it. The two biggest moments from this game really for Texas was, I mean, they missed a 20 yard gimme to end the first half. The gimme of all gimmies, shank it to the left. I mean, those are just free three points in a 20 to 19 game. You really wish you had those back. 
and you not only miss, you know, three points there, but, you know, Bryce Young gets tackled in the end zone. Somebody, I think a Texas player is on top of him. So he's not technically down. He throws it out as he's going down. And then, um, you know, a, a number zero for Texas comes in and makes a little tackle and they call roughing the passer and targeting on number zero. They go to review it. It's an egregious call, not even close to targeting. And obviously he throws the ball sideways. He's in the pocket. He's in the end zone. It should be a safety, but technically you can't review for intentional grounding. They probably should have seen it in the first place, you know, live, but that's another two points that Texas missed out on in a one point game. Just, I mean, oh, absolutely brutal. And I mean, not to mention at the very end of the game, uh, when Alabama's driving with, you know, almost you know 30 seconds left or something like that, you know, you get a free blitzer off the right side, you know, yeah. and free shot at Bryce Young, totally with the tackle. Bryce Young scampers out for a bunch of yards, puts him in field goal range. It's a lot of missed opportunities for Texas, and Alabama's very lucky to still be undefeated. I think ultimately this just come, comes down to – who can make some of the bigger plays late in the stretch? And we all and we already know Alabama, based on some some of its past success, they are able to capitalize in late game situations. And we and we also kind of know that Texas is kind of Texas eventually. You know, they're gonna give up some of these big plays and it's gonna cost them in the long run of things, not only for that game in particular, but for the season. But I think for Texas, there's a lot of there's a lot of great things to take away. I think you I think you also have to point out some of the injury factors as well. I think Quinn Ewers, he's gonna be out for 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 a long amount of time, maybe like four to six weeks. Uh and then you have Hudson Card, who was kind of limping off the field as well. He might he might be off for a little bit as well. Um and it, and it's some and some pretty tough losses as well, especially when you're looking at the next few weeks for Texas. Uh you got UTSA, who's making a short trip up to Austin. Uh, you go to Texas Tech; those fans will be rowdy. Um, I don't, and I think maybe Oklahoma uh, after that, but I could be wrong. I'm, I haven't looked fully into Texas' schedule, but I know those two teams are next. So Texas is going to have to really get their, really get themselves together um, to kind of go on to uh, to uh, start off Big Twelve play on the on the right side of. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's a good thing; it's a moral victory in a way, but obviously it's going to be tough. You know, having to go to your third string quarterback. So that's going to make things real tough for Texas, but we'll see how they bounce back. Um, let's go ahead and stay in the state of Texas, John. Texas Tech, Houston, pretty big game here. Goes to double OT. Texas Tech takes it 33-30. to 30. Donovan Smith walks it off with a rushing touchdown in a double overtime. This was a weird game. I picked this game up in the middle of the third quarter. They were these teams both did not bring their best football to the table. Texas Tech, I mean, they throw an interception. It was 17-10 for the longest time in this game. Texas Tech throws a pick, and then Houston drives down. You know, I believe Texas Tech threw that pick when they were about to score. Houston drives all the way down. They, you know, forced to kick a field goal. They miss it. Just a huge swing there. You know, and then they go uh 20 to 20 to go to overtime. And then I like I said, Donovan Smith walks it off with that rushing touchdown. But I think both teams have got some uh, work to do, uh, especially with Houston, you know, going to play Kansas next week. Yeah, but the defense did not play well in the second half, and neither could really be offense at times as well. But I think to a few few players here and there, Texas Tech was able to get the win at the end. The offense had some long touchdowns from Donovan Smith to um, 
wide receivers, Martinez and Price up for some scores. And you also have Smith uh, who had the game winning touch, who had the game winning touchdown run and um, in double overtime as well. But when this, from what I learned from Texas tech and from maybe from a few years under the, um, Oh, dang it. I'm, I'm already out on, on uh, who they had previously as their head coach, but who? Uh, yeah, that their uh, Tech's former head coach. I, oh my gosh! The one, <laughs> dang it! I shouldn't have brought it up, but <laughs> when the team's back is against the wall, um, especially under Joey this uh, Joey McGuire squad, uh, they came up big at, at moments, and you got to give credit to Joey McGuire uh, and his staff for having his team not only fired up but finding uh, finding um, critiquing the team and finding some ways to um, get this big win over Houston. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's not only a big win for this upcoming season, like, but like kind of a case in Missouri thing, you're going to have to a lot of recruiting battles uh, in, in the state of Texas compared to like case in Missouri and Kansas city. Um, so big win for Texas tech. It's going to be a great rivalry when Houston joins the big 12, uh, just another game that kind of caps off the big 12s. Um, pretty impressive weekend. We can talk about some of the others if you'd like to. Yeah. By the way, Matt Wells, former Matt Texas Wells. State head coach. Yeah. That's Matt Wells. Yeah. So, and we fired him too. Yeah. That was when we had back-to-back weeks with, uh, you know, Matt Wells and Gary Patterson. So we were just, it was murderer's row if you're facing K-State. Murderer's row. We, that's, yeah. um, that's, um, that's death knocking on your door right there. <laughs> And we mentioned how both teams are kind of trying to lose this game. One of the weird things to me is, um, you know, Houston is driving down. Um, they're uh, down or they're tied at 17. They drive all the way down. They're in field goal range. They try to pass the ball. I think they're trying to run a screenplay or something and they drop the pass. So the clock stops. Texas tech is able to keep a timeout when they kick the field goal, Houston goes up 20 to 17 and that gives, and there's 34 seconds left. That gives Texas tech time to drive down the field. Donovan Smith with another big run. And then it makes a few more passes to tie it up at 20 to go to overtime. It could just a weird, there's been, there was kind of some weird stuff like that all over college football to go to overtime. But yeah, I mean, good for Texas tech to get the win here. Uh, Houston's got to bounce back against KU and a red hot KU team. Let me tell you, John, first big 12 uh, opening win since 2009 i believe take it 55 to 42 over west virginia walk up walk off pick six john is is kansas is lance leipold the big 12 coach of the year is ku going to the national championship john what what overreactions do we got here um, so I'm just going to well, decide actually, actually West Virginia is terrible. Never mind. <laughs> be clear and honest. Kansas is winning the national championship. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> you can, what are you doing? Scale? What are you doing? Uh, but, but this is like I said on Friday's episode, this was, it was a statement game for Kansas and they came up clutch in the final moments. Um, they had a massive victory in Morgantown on Saturday. <laughs> got down early, got got down early, and the offense led by Jalen Daniels, who, who was really becoming one of the biggest leaders for this football team, he kept chipping away through the game. He did up through the air, even like Kansas with 85 rushing yards. I mean, what was crazy is that their offense managed to convert all pounds. 
I, I think that's that's another I think that's another factor you have to put into Lance Slypold and his coaching staff. They're not they're not playing with their backs against the wall. They're 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 finding ways to capitalize on what they can try and do and not and not manage to fail uh, fail at any moments. Um, it was it was a good clean game for them. Uh, they didn't have too many penalties, I believe, and I think that. And of course, they won the turnover battle as well because West Virginia does not have any wide receivers. I think I think this might be bigger than their win over Texas last year. Just giving how just giving not only where the state of Kansas football is at. This is a this is I think this is bigger considering that it's going to not only help the the overall team's confidence factor but get get the fans as well um more, more excited for this season as well um there's a there's a lot of stuff happening in lawrence I, i'm kind of in the minority but but wants to see kansas do well because i want to see sunflower showdown means something at times oh, john john hold on stop we I'm literally sorry. we had this conversation oh, last year I took the side of wanting KU to be better at football. You took the other. I don't. Was that okay. just for debate? Was it all for show? Is it all an act to you? Listen, oh, I'm not, if I if I had an intern, I would definitely make him go back and like listen to all our episodes to try and find the tape of you of you saying. I think we should just throw it out there that I think it's best if they're better at football. I think that it'd be better if they got better at football. They've been able to just torch KU throughout the past few years. I don't know if I'm ready to give up that, that title just we, yet. I hate KU, but I think it's just more fun if it's competitive and the fans actually care. And then also we could probably get college game day to come down and just amplify the rivalry of K-State KU. I think that would just be better for everybody. Make more money. Am I, am I convincing you? No. Okay. <laughs> saying the okay. uh, the opposite of what you're saying right now. Hey, 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 hey. Times change, you know. You know, you know that's what, fair. That's we're, fair. We're living we're living in a day that we're we're living in a day that Kansas is better than Nebraska and Missouri. Uh, <laughs> there's no other way. There's no other way to put it. But I'm I'm just, I, you, dang it. I I got you. I got you. Got me. Dang it. It's got gotcha journalism at its finest. Uh, oh my god anyway well i mean ku almost kind of blew this game john they i'm looking at the play-by-play right now um whatever intern did the made the play-by-play for this on the espn's website for the kansas west virginia game you got to be fired oh my i don't know what's happening here this is complete madness um near the very bottom of the page it says west virginia has the lead two to one off a west virginia touchdown anyway KU's up 42 to 31. They score a touchdown to make it 42 to 31. They're sitting pretty with like eight minutes left or something like that in the fourth quarter. West Virginia gets a field goal. They drive down the field. I think they get about three minutes left. They convert like a fourth and 20 or something to get in and they score a touchdown. The refs almost screw West Virginia over by they JT Daniels makes a kind of a crazy pass. That's, underthrown to a Bryce Ford Wheaton, I believe was the wide receiver. He has to like kind of fall down and slide to catch it goes down. They run, hurry up and score a touchdown, but the refs call it off because they want to review whether or not it was a catch, which by the way, by the way, the announcers for this game sucked. That guy thought it was not a catch. It was so obviously a catch, but it didn't matter in the end because they would score the touchdown, get the two point conversion. We go to OT, you know, Kansas pulls it out, walks it off with a pick six. 
Um, Kansas offensively looks really good. Jalen Daniels looks really good as a quarterback. They've got some, you know, decent rushers, you know, Highshaw Jr. and Devin Neal are back, you know, doing more. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, Kai Thomas was kind of a big transfer. He didn't really do much for KU, but I mean, they've got the backfield already kind of figured out. So I'm going to let them do them. And a little, a little more of a, of a loaded backfield. Well, kind of in a loaded backfield in terms of quant, like, 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 like a quantity versus quality type of like argument that you can make, you know, K-State, um, they'll have Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn, and to a lesser extent, DJ Gittins. Meanwhile, the, meanwhile, Kansas has uh, Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, and to a lesser extent, Kai Thomas, but they'll have a little more, um, lo- a little more uh, room when it comes to – they have a lot more players when it comes to their running back room and not just that one ultimate superstar and Deuce Vaughn and, and um, just kind of that overall situation. Yeah, uh, if you don't have anything else to say about Kansas, West Virginia, John, I think we could, we'll just touch on Iowa State, Iowa a little bit. Obviously, it was on the Big Ten Network, so we didn't really get to watch a ton of it. I managed to catch a little bit of it near the very end when it was 10-7, and Iowa, Iowa just kind of um, blew it because their offense is really, really bad. But this was a weird game, John. Six turnovers combined between these two teams. Interception and two fumbles for Iowa. Fumble and two picks for Iowa State. Again, a 10-7 game where the over-under was already at 40 which is super duper low. I don't know what, I don't know who does Iowa play next. I can't imagine what the over-under is going to be. They play Nevada. I don't know what the over-under is going to be for that. It might be like 35. I don't know. Vegas is probably in a pickle right now trying to get set a line for that one. But I mean, I don't know what to say about Iowa state that they meant, you know, Matt Campbell finally beat Iowa. You know, I guess that's, I guess that's what we can take away. He finally beats Iowa. I mean, Iowa's offense is, Iowa's offense is terrible. Oh, oh my, my gosh, so bad. Now, now Iowa State's off offense wasn't pretty by any means. I think they had like three turnovers in the red zone, and they had two punts blocked. Yeah, normally by the that same that, guy. <laughs> How do you have two punts blocked in a game? I mean, normally that's that's recipe for disaster. But Iowa State finds finds a way to win the game. Uh, the defense played pretty good, but I mean, it's Iowa's offense. So it's, I, I, I mean, it's Iowa's offense. So, I mean, that's the best I can say. Any that, other, but. any other team, John, three turnovers and two punts blocked. Like you're not winning that game. <laughs> you're not winning, but it's against Iowa. I mean, oh my God. I think North Dakota state probably could have won that game by a lot against Iowa state. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, big 12 comes on top. At least we can say that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, sometimes. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, happy for Matt Campbell. You know, finally get that monkey off of his back. Take down Iowa. If he wasn't gonna take down Iowa this year, I don't know when he was gonna do it. So, you know, good for him. I, I would say sometimes it doesn't matter how sloppy it, it looks, as long as you win. And that example goes for like for K State at times when they're very struggling against an FCS opponent a few years few years here and there but beating a rival isn't necessarily easy and doing it on the road especially at an atmosphere like Iowa makes it even tough more difficult the last time Iowa State won an eight uh was uh beat their rival on the road in the Cyhawk trophy you have to go all the way back to 2014 I mean it's been that long for Iowa State it's it's not long to the point where it was farm again and long in which Iowa State couldn't win a Manhattan forever until last year. But you know, it, it was good for Matt Campbell. I mean, that was a lot. It was a lot of 
questions regarding to his to some of the problems when he that he's faced when playing Iowa. A lot of a lot of reason a lot of reasons in which they they beat themselves up on like I like some some of the years Iowa wasn't really the better team. It was just Iowa State making so many mistakes that that make them that 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 leads to an Iowa win. But feels good to have that chip off your back, that monkey off your back, like you just said. So can't can't really take too much away from Iowa State, but it, it was a big win for sure. Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up. Get around some of the other like not as exciting Big Twelve games here. You know, TCU beating Tarleton fifty nine to seventeen. Max Duggan, 390 yards passing. Good for TCU. Uh, Oklahoma beating Kent State 33-3. Good for Oklahoma. Now, oh, uh, Oklahoma State taking care of business against ASU at home, beating the Sun Devils 34-17. you have anything to say about that game? Because I was kind of wrapped up in the uh, Houston-Texas Tech game and then going into KU-West West Virginia to kind of watch Oklahoma State-Arizona State. You know, it just – Arizona State was up 3 nothing for a little bit. And then Oklahoma State kind of took over, up 17-3. It kind of seemed like they were just in control the entire game. I mean, I'll just kind of say this. Uh, It's a future Big 12 matchup for sure. (laughs) Got it. Got a future tense there. Uh, But Spencer Sanders, he'll have some of his best days. Um, Typically, like, you'll you'll have an up-and-down type of day. Uh, Yesterday kind of proved that, that it was the case. It didn't necessarily matter because I think Oklahoma State had a pretty good run game with Dominic Richardson. Uh, he had 130, uh, 131 yards in a score. Um, but defense was pretty good, uh, was a lot better than, than it showed against Central Michigan. Uh, Derek Mason, of course, the former head coach at Vanderbilt, uh, he got his defense up the field when they needed to, uh, when they needed to, but uh, I, I think the turning point was overall Oklahoma State's performance in the fourth quarter, which really sealed the deal. Yeah, let's keep this in mind, John. It was raining. And, like, are you, you're, you have to beat Arizona State when it's raining. They, ha- they don't ever play in rain. Yeah, they don't have, <laughs> they don't they have don't, rain in Arizona. Like, they're, they're never, ever going to play another game when it's raining at home. Like, there's just, they have to throw them off so much. By the way, they, they, they don't have basements in Arizona either. They don't? They don't have basements in Arizona. So they don't have daylight savings, they don't have rain, and they don't have basements? Man, what a weird place to live. They don't have winter? Gosh, they don't have anything in Arizona. To be fair, the winter part is probably the best part. Yeah. Especially when especially when your team makes a, makes a bowl game during the well, holiday. Like, except when you go to a Halloween party and it's 100 degrees. And like <laughs> that kind of limits the costumes you can wear without, you know, sweating through it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Oh, man. By the way, it was raining everywhere. Like, Oklahoma State was raining. Obviously, our game was raining. The West Virginia game, there was rain. Iowa, Iowa State was raining. There was just all over the Midwest, there was a rainstorm. Absolutely crazy. Yet, yet it was sunshine all over the state of Texas. <laughs> like you couldn't, you, like all the rain just skips out on Texas and hits and hits everywhere. And definitely Manhattan got a got a good load of that rain uh, on Saturday. That's without a doubt. All right, John. So how do we want to end? How do we want to end the show? Do we want to talk about the big upsets that happened, or do we want to talk? Do we do want to end with BYU Baylor? Because we can talk. We- how do we not mention Baylor and BYU, my dude? Well, I know we're saving it for later because it was the night game. We're going in chronological order. I'm just saying, do you want to talk about, you know, AM, Notre Dame, 
in Nebraska. Well, I don't. I mean, those teams aren't. Those are one of those yeah. teams is not like the other. <laughs> we, we got a few things to talk about after Baylor and BYU. All right, let's let's cover Baylor BYU first. So, uh, I mean, a crazy game. Tons of missed field goals. Oh BYU takes it 26-20 double OT in Provo. BYU storms the field. What a crazy game. I did not stay up to watch it, unfortunately, John, but you powered through. I powered uh, through. I, I, <laughs> hopefully you didn't wake anybody up at 2 a.m. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, like when I said, whoa, that's a big play, my mom was like, huh? What, what was that? I was like, oh, oh, just nothing. Just a big play by BYU and all that stuff. But defensively, Baylor played well, but I, I have some serious concerns um, about the, the offense. I, I came into the year knowing that Blake Shapin and that offensive line, they, they, it was going to be really dangerous, but they ran the ball whooping 52 times for just 152 yards. And and Baylor's and Baylor didn't attempt to throw the ball as, as much because they really couldn't. I think Baylor has a glaring hole at, at receiver because nobody is winning the matchups on the outside. Um, but the but you could clearly tell this staff was not confident in the passing game and BYU knew exactly what, uh, what was coming. But uh, I would say what was backbreaking for Baylor was the special teams and the mistakes. Like, of course, the special teams is, is making the biggest impact right now. But Baylor was penalized 14 times and they had a missed a missed PAT and a field goal in overtime. You, I mean, you just cannot play sloppy on the road like that and expect to win, especially in a hostile atmosphere that K-State's going to go into um, over uh, MNXP seasons and BYU. Yeah. I mean, just to put it in perspective, John, BYU opens with a field goal, 11 pay drive, pretty solid. And then there were eight straight punts. It just goes punt, 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 all the way up until near the near halftime. Baylor gets a touchdown. They miss the PAT which I mean, you know, considering it goes to double overtime makes a pretty big difference. And then uh, BYU goes back and gets a touchdown themselves and BYU should have won the game in freaking regulation. They miss a 35 yard field goal. And again, the thing I don't understand is like, there's um, like 45 seconds left. They're in field goal range and they're still passing the ball. They're taking shots to try and score a touchdown. You don't need a touchdown. You need three points. Just run the ball get the ball where you want it, where the kicker wants it right in the middle and then call timeout near the very end or make Baylor burn their timeouts for, you know, so you don't have to ice the kicker or just have them it when they get the ball back. But like mm-hmm. the last play before they kick their field goal, they won like a little out route to the wide receiver and going to the right side. So the ball's not centered when he kicks it. So I just totally, oh, it just, I thought it was really frustrating to me. And then obviously overtime, both teams miss a field goal. Baylor misses a, what a 43 yard field goal. And then BYU misses another field goal, 37 yarder. And luckily um, they don't need a field goal and they uh, went 26 to 20. Just a, just a, what a way to end a miraculous day of college football. I mean, that it, it, the final game of weekend, I mean, it turned out to be a, a, a classic, um, especially when it comes to big 12 standards, kind of, getting into more of the after dark kind of seeing like what's going to take place possibly with BYU and the big 12. And what, while it was exhausting for the most part, uh, mainly because we were just all tired and we wanted to go to bed, Baylor, Baylor defensively put up a great performance. Uh, The offense did not, but 
Um, BYU came up with some of the biggest plays, even without some of their top two receivers. Keep in mind, BYU, they were out with their top two wide receivers, and yet, and yet they were able to pull off a they were able to pull off one of their biggest wins in program history. I think it's been it's been a few years since BYU last beat a um, last beat a top ten top ten team. So, uh, well, in pro, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, so that, that's a big win for BYU without a doubt. Yeah, and I mean, just the games we've talked about would have made a, the college football Saturday really amazing. But John, we also had some incredible oh upsets. Goodness. Marshall beats Notre Dame, Appalachian mm. State or Appalachian, depending on where you're from or your hobbies, uh, beat uh, oh, Texas A&M 17-14. You have Wisconsin beating Wisconsin State. Or sorry, oh, no, Wisconsin Wa- State beating Wisconsin. No, Washington State. Oh, it's Washington State. Oh, my bad. What was <laughs> Wisconsin State? I'm, gosh, I'm, I'm getting too old, John. Where did I hear Wisconsin State from? Anyway, Washington State there beats is a Wisconsin State. What? I don't think there is a Wisconsin State. Wow. John, I okay, I heard Wisconsin State, and I was like, that sounds really weird. Like I've been watching <laughs> college football for a while, and I've never heard of Wisconsin State. Oh, John, what am I doing with my life? Well, uh, way to get me intrigued to starting a new NCAA football 14. <laughs> the Wisconsin State University. Wisconsin State cheese curds. That's right. Um, but... oh, why did I say it was Wisconsin? Washington State. Oh, no. Anyway. Um, Washington State. Um, they, they, were, they, were, they were catnapping a little bit against Idaho in week one, but uh, they come, come out and um, really just um, – outperforms Wisconsin and especially Graham Mertz and one of the most overrated quarterbacks I've ever seen in the history of college football. Um, ultimately a big win for Washington state, especially a big win for the Pac-12 considering that they were depleted by the big 10 in the summer as well. Yeah. These upsets actually, let's go ahead and cover the AP poll a little bit. Cause these upsets have some huge ramifications in the AP top 25. I mean, starting at the very top, Bama loses their spot at number one over their performance against Texas and Texas gets into the top 25 at 21 for their performance against Alabama, which I think only Texas would get that kind of uh, love. No other team would get that. Um, And then A&M drops all the way to 24. Notre Dame isn't in the top 25 anymore. Uh, You have Baylor drop down to 17 from their previous spot at nine. Uh, BYU gains nine spots going up to 12. Um, and then speaking personally, uh, for K-State, they receive 77 votes for the top 25. The 25th ranked team, Oregon, got 89. So, John, that kind of gives me some hope. If we can beat Tulane somewhat convincingly, double digits, I think at least, we should be able to get into the top 25 next week and set ourselves up for a fun game against Oklahoma, which we already know will be a ton of uh, a really high you know, pressure game for both teams, but if we can both be ranked at the time, I think that could help us get a decent time slot. Probably not, you know, three o'clock ABC would just be perfect, but that's probably not going to happen, but hopefully something good, you know, at least be on ESPN. I mean, if, if, if that, if K-State is getting into the top 25 and if they're going to market it like it is, I'm anticipating an 11 a.m. kickoff on, on Fox <laughs> just because, because Fox always just continues to, uh, advertise that that eleven o'clock time slot, but um, I, I think when you look at the poll as well, you got to be taken into consideration uh, the Sun Belt Conference just out here 
Um, they, they did this back in 2020 over over a lot of Big 12 teams where they had some teams um, take over a lot of Big 12 schools. And Arkansas State came into Manhattan in 2020 and beat, beat a really depleted K-State squad. Uh, and, then th- and then this year, the Sun Belt does it again, especially with Marshall. No, I don't think anybody was expecting for Marshall uh, to beat Notre Dame in the uh, in the uh, movie novel bowl or something like that. Um, <laughs> what? I think, well, yeah, well, you got Rudy versus We Are Marshall. Have you ever oh, heard? Oh, I see. Them? I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, big, big win for Marshall. Uh, Appalachian State. My goodness, sixty-one points against North Carolina in Week One, and then they go come into College Station and beat one of the most overrated teams in the country in Texas A&M. Look, look, I, I was questioning Marshall a little bit, but I think Appalachian State does deserve to get a little more top 25 uh, media heavy at, at times. K-State's behind currently both of those two teams, uh, as well as Cincinnati. Um, but, man, Notre Dame especially, they, they took a massive, massive, drop, uh, massive step back. 23 votes, and if I'm counting this correctly – uh, I believe number thirty-five or thirty-six is where they would where is where they rank if this continue if this list continue on down. But um, big week for the Sun Belt. I mean, big week for the Big Twelve overall. But the Sun Belt was was getting a lot of media heavy notice with Marshall, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, as well because they're in the Sun Belt. They come into Lincoln and they beat Nebraska. If you want to touch on that, Blake. I thought I, I thought I had to I, I thought I had to uh uh get lead into a to oh a man because... oh man well yeah. I mean I was talking with my dad last night about like Georgia Southern I think when we were talking it was tied it was, oh, Georgia Southern had just taken the lead 35 28 and he talks about you know Nebraska might just be waiting for this October something deadline where they don't have to pay Scott Frost buyout, which is 15 million freaking dollars. I believe, and, I believe October 1st, October 1st. So they had, which was, which was when their bye week was. Yeah. So just, you know, a few more weeks just have to survive, but they, I mean, when you pay Georgia Southern, you know, 1.5 million or somewhere around there to come and play you and they come in and they freaking beat you. And you have to pay your coach $15 million the next day for him to not be there and fire him. Just, just what a mess. And then John, to make it even better, big noon kickoff is going to be there for Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's just, I what, what are they going to talk about? That game is going to be not close at all. Oh my God. I mean, I would feel bad if it wasn't, if it was anybody else, but Nebraska. If, there were any other fans that were not located around K-State's recruiting areas or or like some of or like some of the local areas as well. I, I'd feel I feel pretty bad for them. Heck, I even felt bad for Texas after that loss to Bama. But but, but there's no other fan base I love to troll more than Nebraska <laughs> fans. Oh my gosh. Every it, okay. We've heard the, the whole summer, Adrian Martinez. Uh, was not going to work out at K-State. Nebraska brings in Mark Weipel from Ole Miss. Thought they could do something on offense. You bring in Casey Thompson from Texas. Surely that they'll avoid, and surely Nebraska will get going uh, once again. 
should be one of the top favorites in the Big Ten West, right? Nope. Uh, next thing you know, you lose to Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland in week zero. Uh, should have should have kept Scott Frost there, but nope, you decided to take him back to Lincoln. Uh, barely beat something called North Dakota, not North Dakota State, North Dakota. And then you lose to Georgia freaking Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern, a, a team that was led by Clay Helton as well. I mean, th- this is further, uh, this is a cherry on top of Scott Frost's uh, career at Nebraska. 60, 16 and 31 is just not going to do it. If it was either Trev Alberts, fair athletic director, or Tom Osborne, that just said, give, give Scott Frost some time. Uh, that 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 is the most delusional uh, decision I've ever I've ever seen from a Power Five school. I mean, he Scott Frost was nothing more than a than a con show for for not only Nebraska fans that like that spent so much time preparing for football Saturdays up there. Uh, it's just it's just a complete mess up there. I'm I'm sensing some, I'm sensing some Tennessee football, uh, Tennessee Tennessee. Um, football vibes kind of in the past few years where they were just a complete hot mess as well. Yeah. I mean, he's taken quite a tumble after his days at UCF. Oh man. <laughs> Glory days. Oh, he'll be remembering those. Glory days. John, let, let's end the show with this. I'm looking at the week four schedule right now. I'm just trying to see what kind of time slot if we can get any sort of prime time action. Wisconsin, Ohio state is already scheduled for ABC. So they're going to have that covered up. Uh, we got, uh, there's an SEC game. That was, oh, Arkansas A&M at uh, AT&T Stadium. That's obviously going to get a ton of attention. And then yeah, believe, Virginia and Virginia Tech for a primetime game, but that's on a Thursday night. Yeah, that's on Thursday. So that doesn't uh, clash with K-State. Um, Florida, Tennessee is definitely going to be a big one that's going to get attention as well. Um, so that's like three games that we're competing with. But if we're top 25, um, I think we could definitely, you know, six o'clock ESPN would be really ideal, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're, we're probably not going to get that. But besides those three games, there's really not a ton of, you know, great games. Uh, I don't know where game day and big noon are going to be at probably, probably at that Arkansas, Texas A&M game at the cotton Bowl Cause that was just a kind of a cool atmosphere. Although yeah. I don't know if they would, they probably wouldn't go to a neutral site. I don't know. I mean, they, they have gone to Texas and Oklahoma in the past. Maybe maybe Clemson and Wake Forest. That's a top twenty five matchup, and I think it's played in. Yeah, it's played at Wake Forest too. So, I mean, the ACC still sucks. Though I mean, there's Clemson and Wake Forest would lose to the top five in the Big Twelve without a doubt. Yeah, but you in my mind, you know, ESPN would love to go and interview Dabo Sweeney. I mean, they. <laughs> Oh, I ain't picking up any kids out of a transfer portal. That's just a sad move on on the college football <laughs> industry. No, I mean, dude, dude, dude just has the craziest mind. I mean, he, I mean, he's at times he's stubborn, hard headed, and I, I hate to I hate to admit this, but partly stupid when it comes to some of his decisions. But you know, um, that that's just college football. You're gonna have a lot of crazy. You're just gonna have a lot. of crazy coaches who have different minds all around uh you also have a, a coach like mike leach i'll just go all in with mcdonald's memes on twitter but you know that's just that's just college football we live in today so i i think for nebraska I, oh wait why am i talking about nebraska uh, <laughs> it's just in my head so the rent free john the rent free in your head adrian <laughs> finish your thought 
why would Adrian do this? <laughs> why would Adrian Martinez plant that thought into your head? Gosh. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll get kind of back to it. You, you are right, though. There's not too many games uh, in week four. I mean, not even week three either. I mean, Oklahoma and Nebraska stand out. But, I mean, there, there's not – there's, like, little to no games to the point where college game day is going to Appalachian State and Troy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I don't... joking. They're, they're going to App State and Troy. Wait, that's actually where they're going? Yeah, they're going to – they're going to Boone. They're going Am to I... Boone. Is there something I'm missing between App State and Troy that's like a big deal? <laughs> oh, I mean, the Appalachian State part, yes. Uh, not necessarily with Troy part, but uh, yeah. oh no, Can- Kansas goes to Houston next week. Oh man, that. Oh, game day will be. <laughs> yes, yeah, send game day there. Texas Tech plays <laughs> at North Carolina State. All right, we got we got some big games as as well. I think. Um, just so many, it's just so many good games, Blake. I'm sensing 2007 vibes all over again. John, there, there is nothing like college football. Like the, everything we've talked about and, you know, our conversations about the 12-team playoff expansion, the transfer portal, all the mm-hmm. NIL stuff is what college makes college football the greatest sport in America for sure, but quite just, possibly the entire world. I just completely realized that – the App State, I mean, Appalachian State is celebrating 15 years after their win over Michigan. And then a week later, they win on a missed kick by Texas A&M. And we're seeing KU at 2-0 right now. Is that coincidence? <laughs> I, I think not, though, because Kansas is going to lose the rest of their games. Uh, you you yeah. hear it? Yeah, it, it, it's going to happen. But, like, West Virginia looked really bad. They're, West Virginia is not going to be in a, in a bowl game, so... <laughs> The, buy, the buyout for Neil Brown, I believe, is $20 million. That is Call, a lot of money. Just insane. Oh, my so, gosh. That's going to be some brutal stuff. Uh, I mean, if, he, if West Virginia fans think they can get up an $80 million, uh, buyout contract to join the ACC, uh, you, you got to spend $20 million on on a – getting rid of old Neil Brown over there. It's just not looking too good in Morgantown, but it, it's it's getting a lot more entertaining than I than I expected <laughs> as a college football fan. I'm looking forward to to not only more uh, more college football, just seeing all the chaos that will unravel, uh, but but to do but to do more stuff of you as well. Oh of course. I mean we're gonna be all we're gonna be in there like swimwear, John. You know, mm-hmm. we live we live for this stuff. So I absolutely all the drama, send it our way. That's right. That is right. John, it was a great weekend to be a college football fan. Great weekend to be a K-State fan with that win 40-12 over Missouri. All the crazy games that happened in the Big 12, all the upsets that happened with top 10 teams and, you know, Nebraska. But uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, I think it's time for us to get out of here, John. We'll be back Friday live on Wildcat 91.9 at 6 p.m. to preview Tulane and whatever dumb drama happens in college football. So uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785 so you know when we're posting episodes, and we're keeping you updated on all the K-State sporting news. And make sure you take our quizzes on Sporkle, uh, some conference realignment news drops. I'm definitely testing John on his conference realignment, and I'm def- he's definitely going to get all of them right. So uh, you're going to be there for that whenever that happens. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and get out of here, John. That's what I do. Yeah, you mom, you mom, you mom, you mom.
Ivo. 